Welcome to So What Else. My name is Caitlin Elliott and I love talking to people. I love hearing people's stories, the big important things they've been through, and also the random stuff. We're going to talk about it all here. This podcast is just me talking with fascinating people so that we can all hear what they have to share with the world. So what else? Hi, everyone. This week on So What Else, it's a really fun episode. Scott and I actually sat down with one of our favorite couples, Rich and Christine Birch. They're really good friends of ours, and we also just really look up to them and respect them a lot and kind of see them as like unofficial mentors in our life. Basically, we catch up with these guys every couple of months on FaceTime or Zoom because we're long-distance friends. They live in Canada, which is very cool. Um, So we just decided for this episode to basically just record one of our catch-up sessions. So it's super fun. Christine is on staff at Conexus Church in Canada, which is a super fast-growing, influential church in Canada. Rich is the director of Camp Minioe up in Canada, in addition to the creator of Unseminary, which is a really successful podcast, website, blog, book, you name it. So they're just both really amazing leaders in ministry. And so we talk about that. We talk about parenting. We talk about a million things. The Peloton, you name it, we talked about it. So it's super fun. Stay tuned. All right. Welcome to this episode of So What Else? This is a fun episode. I'm here with three special people. I have my husband, Scott, here. He's old news. But we're here with one of our favorite couples in North America. Wow. The Birches. Hey. Christine, say hey. Hey, hey, we are excited to be here. Thanks for having us. Yeah, I feel like we've really made it. Now we're on the So What Else podcast. I I can tell my mom I can retire now. I you finally have arrived. I was just going to say, yeah, you I'm guys have arrived. Pinnacle. You're way more official than us. Like, you guys have two mics. Scott and I are like huddled together on one mic. <laughs> like yeah, it's cute. It's cute. <laughs> we could huddle if we had to. That's <laughs> very official. I love it. So the way that we know each other is actually very funny because, well, it's not that funny, but I think it's funny because about six years ago, Scott and I moved to New Jersey from Colorado. Scott got a job at Liquid Church and one of his like big bosses was Rich Birch. Not big, like you're big, like big as an important, (laughs) one of his, one of the big four bosses was Rich Birch. And then Scott found out that the campus coordinator at his campus was Rich's wife, Christine. So basically, Rich was Scott's boss and Scott was Christine's boss. Which was very interesting. <laughs> it was awesome. That was so funny. I don't think of first. And then like two days in, I was like, oh, this is perfect. This is great. Fair. That's we fair. That would be awkward. Before we met you guys for sure. Like I was like, oh my gosh. I was like, that's going to be like weird. I was like, is that going to be bad? But my dad, Rich, had actually like met you once or twice, I feel like. And he was like, no, he's such a nice guy. Like, you don't have to worry. Like, it won't be weird. And I was like, oh my goodness, I hope not. And then it was like, we met you guys and we loved you immediately. And it was never weird. Yeah, and, I, and then I found out very quickly that both Rich and Christine were my bosses. So it was <laughs> oh, stop. No, no. Nice. But I do remember because I got to be a part of the team of people probably eventually that interviewed you. Yeah. And uh, and I remember thinking, I think this is going to this is going to be good. Uh, I was excited. I love it. Oh, thanks. Well, and we laugh a lot because like you're an Enneagram one, right, Christine? That's right. So am I. And so like we're very similar in the way that we operate. And so like the things that probably frustrated you about Scott when you were working with him are probably the things that frustrate uh. Scott. I'm kidding. Nice. You're perfect. We're going to compare lists. Yeah, right. Oh, please. Oh, I love it. Nice. So why don't you guys introduce yourselves? Yeah, so we are Rich and Christine. Um, we've been married, if you can believe it, 
25 years this fall. Oh my God. It's a long time. I can't get over that. Thank that's you. amazing. How is that possible? You look like you're 25. Well, oh, thank you. That's, that's nice. kind. That's um, yeah. So that's kind of fun. We have two kids, um, Haley and Hunter. They are on the, they're in like the launching phase. Yes. So Haley is 20 and Hunter is ter- 18. Yeah. 18 and a half. <laughs> they, their year, their ages change all the time and you have to keep remembering. Uh, yeah, it's, it's very complicated. Are you kidding me? <laughs> My children right? all the time. Every I'm year like, they're one and three. Oh, wait. Yeah. They're not Wait a second that was That's last year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then, um, for work, I, I work at a church as I did when we were in New Jersey and, uh, with kind of in kind of similar realms, but, um, yeah, so that's, that's who I am. How about you? Yeah, that's good. Well, thank you. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I, I guess that's all the important stuff in my life who I'm married to and, and my kids, but from a work point of view, I, uh, there's really kind of two halves of what I do. One, I, uh, help run a kids camp, which is very strange in this this season. Um, but then also run a thing called Lens Seminary, which is an um, organization that helps church leaders. We do blogging, podcasting courses, coaching, all kinds of stuff like that. So yeah, it's fun to uh, be here. And obviously we intersected at at Liquid. So it's so funny because I I never think of myself that I was your boss, Scott. That doesn't like that's not a category in my brain because you reported to somebody else. So I was always yeah, like, yeah. yeah, that's you know, that's that never is a that I never think of it like that. So it's just kind of fun. It 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 is weird, and you know, it was like I said, it was scary for the first couple of days, but then, <laughs> and I can't remember exactly what you said, but one day you said something about like. I'm rooting for you and you guys like are a good team and you got this. And I was like, okay, from here on out, I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay, we're, we're smooth sailing now. Yeah. And then I didn't look back. I was like, whatever. Well, nice. plus I feel like one of the first days that you were at the church that you started working, I'm pretty sure our basement flooded. Yeah. Oh, that was a good story. Oh, yeah. And so that. here yes. I am. I'm like, I think I have to leave. Like friends were calling to say, I think you better come and check your house. Cause there was like, what? Puddle, was like it massive like one pu- of the famous hurricanes? No, it was a oh, flash yeah. crazy. Was a, well, Jersey's, I feel like Jersey's always flooding. The yeah, whole thing's I mean, built on top of a swamp. And so like it rains for more than 10 minutes. Everything's flooded. Yeah, there's no <laughs> infrastructure to handle that or something. Basement. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Exactly. But it was, was bad. It was like somebody's across the street from us was like, you need to come home and check because I have water coming up my front to my front door kind of idea. And so, but that was so cool. And this is part of the, we'll probably get into this, but this is one of the reasons we loved our community in Scotch Plains is by the time I got home from work, which was typically like a five minute drive, but because of all the flooding took more like 20 minutes. By the time I got there, there was like five friends in the basement already hauling. They're like texting me. What's important here? What do you want outside? It was so awesome. And then sure enough, Scott was there shortly behind me after he grabbed a bunch of stuff from the church to help deal with the mess. So. Pretty that cool. was, I remember that was seriously, I think like your first week, I think like working together. It was, and it was yeah. like, we got really close, really fast. Cause we were like <laughs> swimming through Christine's basement. <laughs> but it turned out to be so good. Cause it was like, okay, we bonded quickly. Yeah, and exactly. We went through a crisis. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's fun. That's fun. That was, I mean, it was intense. And like the street up from you, people couldn't even like wade into it. It was so deep. Oh, it was awful. It was, it was awful. Deep. I didn't know if I was gonna be able to drive on my street. People were parking on our street. So the fact that our basement was full, like it, it's amazing that it wasn't worse kind of thing because yes. people were parking in our street. And you guys oh, had to gut your basement, right? We did, but Scott nailed what the problem was. 
And we were able to, this is like, I don't know that you want this on your podcast, but um, we were able to call, it was, it wasn't a flood. It wasn't a flood, like a natural disaster. It was a plumbing malfunction. malfunction. So your insurance covered it. That's right. It was like, it was, it was because of the flooding. It like back, backed up, backed up some massive pipe and burst open. Nice. Yeah. We got, Scott found it. That is legit. Honestly, nothing makes me happier than when insurance actually comes in handy because I, I like, Oh, it was good. They were fine. How you annoying. All, you, all your entire life you pay. Exactly. And, and it's not like you're hoping for a crisis, but it's almost like, man, I hope this insurance pays off at some point. So it's like kind of <laughs> yeah, nice. Yeah. It does actually pay <laughs> off. You're like, okay, well, we got a new basement. Today's episode brought to you by State Farm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> Yikes. Oh my gosh. But you guys, it's so funny. So you guys are Canadians. Mm-hmm. So we actually were only living in the same place for a year. I think, yeah, I think weird. like almost exactly a year. Like you like guys we moved back August 1st and you guys started at the beginning of August, didn't you? Yeah. I think it was maybe July, but okay. yeah, like literally one year exactly. Like we were all at liquid and that was it. And it's been five years since you guys left wait yeah. wait wait it was one year it was one year oh, one weird. year one glorious year asked me <laughs> i swear i would be like yeah four or five years i don't know that's what's so funny is that i feel like i feel very close to you guys but it's funny that we actually only were like in-person friends for one year and the wow. rest of our entire relationship has been zoom facetime but like we've always just like every couple of months we catch up yeah, and like it, it's so strange and kind of sad for me because I don't really know your kids, and that I is know. like the saddest thing. Oh, so I once sorry, we're not we'll well, go, nobody we'll go does there, anymore with the Th- pandemic. That is true. No, one I know. <laughs> so someday, I want to know your kids. I know. We'll get I do remember you and Haley visited when Jace was a couple months. Yeah, a couple months something, and she was at the time like not great with people. But she immediately like loved you guys and especially Haley. I remember like she like ran to the door. Like she was like thrilled like when she walked <laughs> to the door and we were like, wow, she doesn't really like anyone. Nice. So that was a nice little bonding moment. Yeah, but who doesn't feel like that with Haley and Hunter? Yeah, They're that's like, right. They're good kids. Oh, they are good kids. They're the best. We're going to talk about them in a minute. So, but tell us about being Canadian. I mean, well, first of all, <laughs> on a serious note, because yes. we just like are obsessed with the fact that you guys are Canadian. I love talk. Like I'll like drop it in conversation. Like I'll be like, oh, like our friends in Canada, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> so like, exotic. It's so exotic. Like, yeah, seriously. I'm like, it's a different country. Hello, you need your passport. It's like amazing. Yeah. I've never even been to Canada. It's so stupid. Tell us about the happy, cool things about Canada. So you guys are both like born and raised Canadians. You moved to the States. When, why, what was your biggest do you, culture do you guys shock? Have electricity up there? <laughs> you, you have we just stores? put the dog sleds away. We just put oh the dog sleds God. away. Literally though, I remember when I was moving to Colorado from Jersey, I literally had a friend that was like, do they have malls? And I'm like, oh, nice. Love America. It. Like, it's not like it's civilized. <laughs> yeah, like there yeah, is definitely. civilization there. Like people yeah. don't like, well, and we'll talk about this. I'm sure Jersey people really just think like it's east coast west coast and that's it like there's yeah. everything yeah. else is flyover territory you know what yeah, i mean yeah. like no, there's really true. nothing else but anyway go canada yeah. <laughs> yeah so we i'm not sure there's a lot there uh so like i think you were saying like why why did we move to the states yes. why would we make such a crazy move and um 
So it was for a job for liquid. So I, uh, you know, the joke I like to say is I have a, a very few discernible skills. And so I have to, there's very few places that will actually hire me. Yeah, right. And I had kind of thought of all of them in Canada. And so I needed to look somewhere else. Um, <laughs> you ended, ended up at across the border. Yeah. Ended up at, uh, ended up at liquid. So yeah, it was, it was for a job. I, you know, I was there originally as a consultant, a coach on some, you know, this is church leadership wonk stuff, but like multi-site stuff. Um, and, uh, you know, that church is great. And, and, um, Tim, the lead guy there was like, Oh, you should move to Jersey and like, come join our team. And I remember thinking I've been to New Jersey. I don't want to move to New Jersey. Like, <laughs> why would I want to make my life there? I have <laughs> flown into Newark. I don't need to <laughs> live here. It's a nice place to visit. Um, but actually uh, over, you know, obviously an extended period of time, uh, you know, got to the other side of it. Obviously we moved and, and loved it. It was amazing. And, and, uh, and and miss it, I you know I think we still you know still has a, definitely has a special place in our heart and and uh, yeah we we love uh, Jersey for sure. I remember. And I mean, when, it's not even I... just like you move to America, like you move to New Jersey. <laughs> yeah, 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 true, true. <laughs> like intense. It is intense. Uh, the thing I love about there's so much I love about New Jersey, but one of the things I love about New Jersey is people in New Jersey really do think that there's like New Jersey and then there's the rest of the country or maybe even the rest of the world. Like it's, uh, you know, it's, it's the center. Well, the other thing, and I say this all the time when I'm speaking, like, as I tell a little bit of my life story, talk about I'm Canadian and, and then I talk about how, you know, I lived in New Jersey for a while. And, and then, you know, the punchline is I'll say, you know, I don't know what it is about me, but I like living in places where people make fun of you. And it's like, people love making fun of Canadians and every New York city comedy writer, their shorthand is New Jersey and the whole country laughs and they don't know why, like they, they don't even need to say, they're like, it's just like, Oh, I must be from Jersey. And the whole country's like, ah! Uh, that's like when we so right before we moved down officially we took our yes. kids to Disney World and to kind of because he was traveling back and forth we're trying to get some family time in before the big transition or whatever and um and it happened to be we didn't know anything yes, about where we were great. moving uh, but it happened to be teachers convention week or whatever the first week oh, of November yes. and so even in Disney World, all of the jokes were about Jersey. And I and we just kept looking at it like, what is what this? Is of course, now we understand yeah. why there were so many people. It was from like Jersey. anytime they brought somebody up on stage, where are you from? And they'd be like, New Jersey. And then it's like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> people are fist bumping. Yeah. It's yeah, just exactly. like a whole thing. So it really is. We're like fiercely protective. Even though, like, if you're from New Jersey, you like think New Jersey sucks, but you think it's the best place ever and you're very protective yes. of it. No, but that's the thing. There's a pride for New Jerseyans yeah, yeah. where it's like, it doesn't add up. It's like, you know, you're proud about New Jersey, right? Like, <laughs> All right. We have the shore. It's nice. It is nice. The it Garden is. State. It's that's not, lovely. that's, that's not an ironic, you know, thing on the license plate. It is actually a really beautiful state. Like it's in some, nice. in some parts, in yes. some parts. Yes. I remember the first time I visited New Jersey, like probably the first time I was visiting the church and all that. And, uh, whoever picked me up from the airport was like, it was Lois Brooks. Lois Brooks picked me up from the airport and she was like, okay, I want you to look out the right side windows. <laughs> it's like by She's the, like directing me through, through just, New York. It's like, you know, there's the, there's the penitentiary, there. like the jail and all that stuff right there. Yeah. Don't pay attention to that. Don't pay attention. To that. Ignore that. Yeah, We're going to exactly. go over here. Yes. Please don't um, get back on the plane. Please stay yeah, here. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's ridiculous. What did you miss the most about Canada when you were here? What did you miss? Uh, what did I miss? 
you know, so family, you know, we, you know, being so far away, like we were a 12 hour drive. And so, and then at that point, my parents were actually for a bunch of that, were living in Louisville, Kentucky. And so, (laughs) and Nashville and Nashville for a while. And so there, there was like, Christmas was, we would just get in the car and drive like literally over like one quarter of North America. It was like, we would just drive to like, (laughs) it was like a massive triangle that we drove up to Canada and then back out to New Jersey. And so, uh, so yeah, family for sure. And then there, it is odd and everyone should have this experience. I wonder if you have had this, you know, Scott being away from Colorado, but like there, the, there was like the weirdest stuff I would miss from being home. Like there was this one, there's this sauce, it's called <laughs> HP sauce, which i like, I don't even particularly like that much. Like it's, uh, but for whatever reason, I just like had a hankering for, I need HP sauce and I couldn't find it anywhere. And so I ended up buying it. I think it was on Amazon for like some insane amount of money. Uh, sure. But just cause it reminded me of home. Like it was yeah. like a, you know, a flavor from home or whatever. It's weird how that, that happens. Yeah. It's funny Absolutely. that you said a food thing. Cause I thought of crackers right away. <laughs> like we, you guys, you guys have wheat thins. We have wheat thins. Our wheat thins taste entirely different really i would every There's summer i would like stock up on wheat thins that's weird i know special k totally different yes no way yeah, yeah. but i also miss my family too it wasn't just the crackers <laughs> yeah it was mostly family as well and also the crackers. family well that's a given that is funny i remember like when scott moved here from colorado he was just like oh like i just like miss red robin so much and i was like we have red robin <laughs> what like i was just like (laughs) colorado specific restaurant (laughs) i had no idea i'll tell you what i miss is drive-thrus out here there you have to drive for 30 minutes to find a place to drive through and get food there's drive in colorado they're like every corner there's more you can you can find one anywhere right so i've stopped eating out as often yeah that's true it's actually probably okay more pop tarts for you yeah seriously (laughs) but actually like a huge thing about like that Scott did not want to leave Colorado was because of Chick-fil-A. Like he was just mm-hmm. like, oh, like Chick-fil-A. And I was like, yeah. And like where I grew up in New Jersey, there really was no Chick-fil-A. So I was but like- But it came, it came when we were there. And around the corner from the office. When he was getting interviewed at Liquid and we're driving to Mountainside for the first time and we drive by the Chick-fil-A on Route 22, it was like Jesus himself had come down and said, <laughs> of course he this did. is where you're supposed to be. I put a Chick-fil-A here. Like you're going to make it. It, it truly Love it. Man, she can live on waffle stay. fries alone. Exactly. <laughs> oh my gosh. Heaven. That's I remember when you were moving back to Canada, though, you were freaking out about Target. Do you not have Target? We do not have Target, and we can't even cross the border. For I have a Target gift card in my wallet burning a hole because I can't cross the border right now. Yeah, I, I, I really do miss it. Legitimately miss it. And you can't order online? No. they Originally, you could, and they have since changed it. There just isn't the volume of people for it to be worth it for them. They can just sell it to all you guys south of the border. They don't need to sell it to me. Canada's tiny. Like it's a tiny country. Like, you know, it's a huge country. Huge it's a tiny population. I see. I for see. the size of country. Yeah. How, how do you decorate your house if you don't have a target? Yes. Honestly. <laughs> I'm still living on my old target finds, I guess. I remember that one time when you came to visit and you were like, I loaded my car. She's like, I, you were like, I just went to target. I loaded my car up with towels, <laughs> curtains, yep. like the whole night. And like, yards. it's the kind of thing that when you do go, you tell your friends you're going because you're like, oh, can you grab such and such for me or whatever? That's amazing. Yeah. Is Tim Hortons as big of a deal in Canada as Americans think that it is? Yeah, it's kind of a big deal. It's probably bigger. Like it's, <laughs> uh, 
yeah, it's hard. It is the dominance of Tim Hortons is hard to. It's bigger than like Dunkin' Donuts. I know really? it's hard to believe. Yeah. Oh like, yeah. Yeah. It's 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 hard to say that, but it's true. Like it, they're everywhere. And... We have we live in a town of thirty thousand people. Mm-hmm. I think we have something. six or seven Tim yeah. Hortons. Which is oh crazy. whoa! And so it's coffee and donuts. Like so, it's basically Dunkin' Donuts. It's well, just... it's more now. Like the they're sandwiches. all sandwiches and breakfast sandwiches oh. and all that kind of stuff, but it's crazy. It's actually not our favorite. <laughs> really? Oh yeah. What's your favorite? Tell us. Oh, if we were driving through, if we were just doing a drive-through for a drink, we would actually go to McDonald's. I love the McDonald's lids for a takeout cup. Oh my gosh. You guys, did you bond over this when you worked together? <laughs> I no, like, oh, I didn't like yes. it. I don't think we, I don't think really McDonald's did much coffee in the States when we were there. Like they didn't yeah. have the, do you guys have McCafe? Yes. Okay. I don't, I don't feel like, did. yeah, I don't think it was there when we were. They have such good coffee there. Yeah. Honestly, well, he, I'm no coffee connoisseur. I don't even drink this stuff, but apparently people who used to love Tim Hortons coffee, they uh, now McDonald's uses the same beans or uses the beans and Tim Hortons got rid of that contract. So now everybody has moved over to McDonald's coffee. Oh, that's we, what they say. Yeah. Right. We buy the McCafe Keurig cups like that's oh, yeah. our coffee that we use love at it. our house love it there you Which go I was embarrassed about it first but now I own it it's fine they it's fine. I don't know if it's Caitlin's family or New Jersey but they frown upon McDonald's I take the girls to McDonald's every Friday we get McGriddles and we just like play place my, my girls love it but her family can't handle my children think it's like a McDonald's. delicacy they're like like literally emerson's two years old she wakes up on friday and she's like mcgriddle mcgriddle i'm like oh my gosh like it's <laughs> that's intense man the mcgriddle is intense that is an intense mcdonald's and invention it's pancakes and eggs and bacon i mean it's all in one all in one oh it is amazing gosh. and my kids love it and i'm proud of it. <laughs> okay <That's great. laughs> Well, I know we talked already a little about camp, church, whatever. Wait, I forgot to say this when you were talking about camp. Tell us what your camp is famous for. You might not even know what I'm referring to. Okay, you know. Yeah, so the I know, so this is a funny thing. Like, so Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen, you might remember them from such hits like Fuller, Full House. I mean, not Fuller House, Full House. Mm-hmm. They uh, had a movie called It Takes Two that was shot at our camp in 1995 <gasps> or whatever. So there are there are young women of a certain age oh, who yeah. all know now the good thing is that all those people are having children, which is great, uh, you know, for our little camp. But <laughs> but it was funny in Jersey because that was like I like I didn't even think to talk about this. Yeah. Oh we lived in Jersey for like six and a half years before yeah. people found out about this. And then it was a big deal in our circles. Like oh, I, you were in one yeah. of the scenes. And Christine yes. was in the movie. Tell us the food <laughs> fight movie scene. star on So What Else. The, <laughs> yes. The food fight scene. Look for the yellow shirt and the green hat. That's me. And I, in that scene, it was a one take scene, as you can imagine, because it was well, a massive right. mess. But I remembered, and that's a long time ago, like mm-hmm. however many years ago. And I remember thinking, I'm throwing my food at the kids. I'm doing my good acting and then I was like I can throw food at Kirstie Alley and Steve Gutenberg so I turned around and hauled it at them it was so fun <laughs> I love that how old were you I'm like 19 or yeah something like that something like that Rich were you there 
So yeah, I was working for camp, but I wasn't involved in that. We were doing some other stuff, but I was in and out as they were doing it, which it was kind of fun to watch. And it was like, it's a small movie. Like it's not like a big Hollywood blockbuster by any means, (laughs) but it was fascinating to see like, they basically employed every kid in, in the town that we're in. Like they, they, all these kids came over and were extras and they, you know, they did a bunch of work around the site and yeah, it's kind of fun. It's a fun, you know, it's every once in a while, it's a fun thing to talk with uh, people about it. That is amazing. That's so cool. That's just, like, <laughs> I just love that story so much. One time, the only like, not, not near as close. The only like sort of close experience I had was that What's his, I can't believe I'm forgetting his name. Matthew Broderick was doing a movie with Alan Alda. Yeah. Yeah. Classic. And uh, they were doing, I don't know what happened. Something happened and they called my dad, like someone from production. And they were like, something happened with like where we were supposed to film. We have like one scene we need to do. And we noticed your church is like right off 280. Like, do you have a gym or something? We could like set up a set and like do a movie scene. And we were like, oh my God. Like, of course, we all like came and talked and it was like crazy. Like we saw him like 20 feet away. And like that was like really my only Scott's family. Like they actually hunt down celebrities. I never really had that. They like literally tell some of my family was nuts. Like it was a thing for us. My parents, especially they're celebrity hunters. Oh, yeah. But they would. My parents like have no boundaries, so they would just blow right through and be like, "We're meet- if you say you're gonna meet this person, you're gonna meet the person." So they'd like hide under someone's stage, hide in their tour Stop. bus. Like, Come on, they would- I remember one time I wanted to meet. You know, I was young and we were Christian, and it was Michael W. Smith was the <laughs> dude, right? <laughs> I wanted to meet him. Obviously, yeah. you know, I'm, course, I'm a yeah, kid, clearly. and so my mom took me to his concert, and then she said, "Hey, listen, you see that curtain right there." as soon as the show ends he's going to be walking off stage right there i want you to go behind the curtain and run down and meet him i'm like <laughs> Are you, you want me to run like back there and she's like yeah go so i'm like geared up ready i go and i run behind the curtain i run down and a security guard like jumps out he's like hey get back here and i run back I'm like mom i almost got caught and she was like why'd you stop i said what do you mean there's a security guard she goes, then you go under his legs you do whatever you have to do and you meet michael w smith i, I like got oh, reprimanded God. for not meeting the guy yeah oh like, no yeah we i gotta tell one more too so she for my 13th birthday michael jordan was my actual hero right so for my 13th birthday she flew me to arizona he was playing baseball at the time she ends up becoming friends with his agent which <laughs> Only my mom can do this, like becomes friends with his agent. He's like, listen, I can't tell you to break into the stadium, but if you can get in the stadium, I can get you to meet Mike. Come on. Takes me (laughs) under a fence and (laughs) gets me into the stadium. I get down, I get to meet Michael Jordan, hang out. Oh, it was I mean, this is like a pre 9-11 world where like security was major loose. You know, keep that in mind. That doesn't stop my mom. Yeah, no, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's amazing. I love that. That's presidential rally one time. And we look up, my mom's disappeared. She's gone for like 20 minutes. I'm starting to get angry. I look up, she's on the stage behind the president. <laughs> Her secret service. She got on stage. I don't, that's my mom. Love it. That's so good. Yeah, so. I remember when we started dating, your mom was like, so you, how close to New York City like do you live? And I was like, oh, like a half hour, 45 minutes. How many celebrities have you met? And I was like, well, like none. What? Yeah, like yeah, I none. was just kind of like, I don't know what that means. Like I, yeah. I, I like, they're, I don't know. Like, I don't like go looking for them really, but his family, it's like a big deal. 
Yeah. It's like a super big deal. That's oh, cool. that's awesome. I love that. That's so cool. A lot of good But now stories. I'm boring. My poor kids are never going to meet a celebrity because I'm like, yeah, we did that Until one. grandma comes to visit. Grandma will take exactly. them down to the stage. She will. She'll take She'll them. take them. That's fun. Oh, my gosh. So what I love, though, so you guys have done ministry almost your entire marriage. Your entire yeah, marriage. Our entire marriage. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Tell me like a brief journey of your marriage and all the different roles you've had, like a brief little <laughs> overview. <laughs> uh, it's a bunch. So yeah, basically for, well, last, for the last 20 years, it's been basically just three different churches, Liquid, and then a church north of Toronto called Conexus. Where I work. Yeah, where you work now. <laughs> like um, I go there, we work there. And then, uh, which you're, so we're still there. And then before that, I was at a church called The Meeting House. Um we did a lot, like a lot of cyclical stuff, right? Like we kind of yeah. stayed, we moved around, but then we stayed in the same circles. So actually our first jobs out of Bible college were, we both worked for Minioe, the camp that Rich directs right now. And so then you ended up going into church ministry out of your camp job and I stayed at camp. Yeah. So we've done a lot of that, like flip-flopping yeah. <laughs> where one of us is at camp, one of us is, is at a church or whatever, but yeah. Was- yeah, so that's basically. And I was a youth pastor for a little bit in there, and worked for camp and a few other things. Like hey, you're doing your twenties, right? You're like, oh, let's try this for a year and see how that goes. You know, oh kind of thing, so. when Scott was a youth pastor, it was like he talks about that all the time. He's like, I had no like boundaries in the sense of like I would have like things that would go all night. Like I would be at like oh, yeah. every single game of the kids. Like they would be at my house until all hours jumping on the trampoline. Like, and he's like, <laughs> now I'm like, I don't even know who that person was. Like who had that kind of energy? Like he was like, I literally <laughs> just worked like 24 hours a day. I was like with the kids constantly. And mm-hmm. it really is like, you have to be like a young. It's a different world. Yeah. That's camp life too, right? Like you yeah. do that, you kind of work 24 seven for about three straight months. And then you get ready for the next stint nine months later. Totally. I love yeah. though that you guys started out at camp and now you're back there. They were back. Yeah. And then you were at Conexus. You came to the States and now you're back there. Yeah. Yep. Well, cause we, when we moved away, we really loved, actually, I would say we fell in love with this town when we would come back and visit yeah. because this town is kind of on the way to camp. And we always brought our kids back to go to Minioe. And, um, so we would visit people here and we're like, man, this is a great little town. Like we just didn't have time to really get to know it before we moved. So then we, when we moved back, our kids were, you know, heading into high school and in high school already. And so we kind of said to them, like, where do you want to settle? Like we camp was really flexible with where we lived. And so we said to them, like, do you want to be the new kid? Do you want to live in the city? Do you want to live up close to camp? And they're like, let's go back to Aurelia. I'm like, well, you know, it might be different. Like your friends might not be the same friends and all that kind of stuff. You're like, no, let's go to Aurelia. So then it made it easy from a church point of view. Cause there's no other church that we'd want to go to. So that's awesome. And I mean, that really speaks to you guys, obviously, like you obviously leave places really well. Like it's, you know what I mean? Like clearly it wasn't like you burned a bridge or something. It's like, you came back to these places then years later when like God brought you back. So I think that that's really cool. Thank you. But I love that at liquid, you guys were both on staff. <laughs> like sometimes time. tricky right like and especially like rich was on the lead team for a few years prior to you coming on staff like how did that like come about like that you were one day like maybe i want to be on staff or like did rich bring it up or well i the whole time so you know rich we didn't have our green cards right away right we were on a, a visa and the visa that we were on didn't allow me to work so I was a pretty invested volunteer over time and I would, you know, 
do all sorts of things um, in, you know, different people's assistance, part, you know, part-time volunteer and all that kind of stuff. And then we used to do Camp Rock and I was heavily involved in that and that sort of thing. And then when we launched Mountainside, the campus close to us, I was like super excited to be more involved because it was so close and it was so easy to invite our friends. We had previously been driving like 45 minutes to the next closest campus at the time. And um, so it was actually on a, a baptism Sunday. I was helping with baptism Sunday and um, the campus pastor before Scott, Richard Lee was like, he and I were in the front row and I was I can't remember exactly how it went, but it was like, we both observed something funny that happened, something funny slash quirky. Awkward. Yeah. Yeah. But we both knew we were on the same page. And, yeah. uh, and I, and I said, well, how about I fix this? Like, how about I, whatever. And whatever. And then he kind of leaned in and he's like, Hey, would you ever consider working here? And, um, yeah. And so then that's where the conversation started. We ended up having coffee, like, I don't know, within the week I would say. And, uh, and then ended up taking that role. So, I wasn't, I mean, liquid was on my radar working Mm -hmm. full-time wasn't ever on my radar because I needed the flexibility to be able to go home or I wanted the flexibility to be able to go home in the summers with my kids. Cause I was trying to keep them engaged with their grandparents and their cousins and camp and all that kind of stuff. So I wasn't quite sure how working full-time was going to make that possible. Mm -hmm. Um, but we figured, I mean, it changed things, but it was a good, it was a good move. Yeah. I love that about how you and Richard Lee, and he was on this podcast, by the way, episode number, I have no idea, but something. Are you offended that he was asked before you guys? <laughs> no, but now that you said that out loud, he will make a deal of it. Oh, so yeah, <laughs> we'll just see which which episodes gets the bigger numbers. How about oh, that? Oh, gosh. Ooh, <laughs> I, oh, it's on. <laughs> so on. Okay. That's funny. I love it. love it. But I love that story, though, about how it's like, you know, you connect with someone on a ministry level if you're like, able to find a situation like the same amount of awkward like if you're both like sure. that was weird like then you're like okay we can work together like yeah, 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 yeah totally <laughs> that's a good point yeah that is be good and it was great working together well easy eventually it was oh good. tell us <laughs> uh, so and this is not this has not been uncommon but it was one of the first times i had been in a job interview where basically the interview was about him. Oh. And ironically, when I moved back here and I interviewed at my current church, the same thing happened. Like, oh. and, it, and I appreciate you saying, oh, obviously you leave places well or whatever. And so, you know, we obviously reflected back on a season of our time here differently than some people had heard or whatever. So they're like checking in, like, is Rich gonna be okay with you working here? And I'm like, yeah, of course. But anyways, very similarly, there was a lot about what's it going to be like, like to have your husband on the lead team. And then you, you know, have a boss that reports to someone else on the lead team, blah, blah, all that kind of stuff. And I was like, I think it's going to be fine. Like, you know, he's works at a different office yeah. and I don't know, like it didn't seem weird to me. We had for a small, a short season worked at the same place before. Um, but anyways, I think in response to other people thinking it was going to be an issue, he got a little weird. Like <laughs> I remember sitting in the the office, like the central office at the time around the corner from outside. And it was lunch. Like they did like the little reception, like new stuff. Awesome. We are getting bagels for breakfast or whatever. So that we had that. And I'm like getting to know people that I basically knew. Cause I was in the office probably once a week as it was, or 
once every other week or so, but getting to know them in a different context. Then it was lunch and I'm sitting there some trying to find a place to eat my lunch or whatever. And everybody walk, a bunch of people walk out of this meeting. I don't know if it was a lead team meeting or SPD or what, what do you call it? Service programming meeting or whatever, but a whole bunch of people walk out of the, this boardroom and everyone's like, Christine, hey. And they're like so excited and being so encouraging and give me hugs and high fives and all this. And he walks out and he's like, saying hi to all these people around me, totally ignores me, <laughs> walks away. True. And I was like, and everyone's like, what's wrong with him? That, that was kind of weird. I'm like, oh you think? The cold shoulder. I love it. Well, because I, there was the same, you know, behind the scenes, like, I don't know if this, and you, you know, like. Totally rolling my eyes for the how, listeners right now. Totally rolling my eyes. You can imagine <laughs> how in some uh, cultures, you know, there is this like a hyper focus on like, is this thing going to go sideways? And yes. so I was going out of my way to ensure that it did not go sideways. How could it? We didn't get to speak. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, sure. If you don't speak to her, then it can't go sideways, right? Yeah, exactly. How'd that work out for you, Rich? <laughs> yeah, it was great. <laughs> We're still talking about it all these years yeah. later. Right. <laughs> Tells you how it went. <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, when you got home that night, were you like, what is actually your problem? <laughs> yes, I was. I was so confused at how awkward that was. I mean, there was like, there were legitimate, like, hard things because you know, I would like hear something just like, you know, over dinners, you know, yeah. so-and-so supposed to be taking care of X. And I would like, I would want yeah. that person to thrive. And like, you know, there were a couple tricky things. Yeah. Um, like, where it's like so good at yeah. compartmentalizing that. I think that's like for other people, it could have been a problem, but you were great at like taking the awkwardness out of it, keeping certain information safe or like, like I never had a question on the trust level, you know, and mm -hmm. I think everybody was that way because again, because of who you guys are. So you managed it well, which made it not, not awkward. Well, that's no, that's a part of ministry, right? Is that we do, we hold people's trust, yeah. right? Like a part of what we do is we're trust brokers, right? And they, mm -hmm. you know, people trust us with information about themselves or, you know, stuff they're struggling with or whatever. Yeah. And so you, you do have to kind of develop that, the ability to, um, you know, when I remember when I was in student ministry, you learn that like, okay, I can't be shocked when someone says something to me, right? Like you've got, you just kind of have to take it and be like, oh, well, tell me more about that. <laughs> um, and, you know, that becomes a good skill as you continue to serve uh, yeah. in various positions. Yeah, yeah, totally. Thank you, Scott. <laughs> no, thank you guys. That was why it was, that's why it worked out. But it is, I mean, that's a weird dynamic to try to try to manage, but it turned out to be really cool. Oh yeah. And I mean, I think that you guys did it so beautifully, but I can imagine Christine that there must've been times where it was like awkward for you. If maybe staff was like disgruntled about something. And then like, you might like, if I were you, I would be like feeling defensive. Like if like my husband was in on that decision that people are disgruntled about or like what, you know what I mean? Like that can be hard. That's even been hard for me not being on staff at church, right. just being a volunteer. You know right. what I mean? Like sometimes I'm volunteering and if people are like, oh, blah, 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 this and this, you know what I mean? And then I'm like, oh, I feel weird. Like I feel kind of defensive. Yeah. Because first and foremost, you're, you're a wife, right? Yes. And then you're a volunteer or you're a wife and then you happen to work at the same church or whatever. But yeah, I think, I think, like you said, you have to, for the sake of everyone else, you have to kind of compartmentalize a little bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or totally. bad, but you guys did it beautifully. Did you guys enjoy it working together? Yeah, I think so. Like, like you said, I'm a one. 
and he's a three. So I remember like on big days, like Christmas Eve and stuff like that. He's like, well, we're just going to oversell. I'm like, you can't just oversell. Like, what if they all come? Like, then the chairs are going to be messy and we're not going to have enough. And someone's going to have, and he's like, they're not going to come. They're not all going to, how do you know? Like we've told them they can like, That still stresses me out. For that is so funny because Scott is not a three, but he will do those things. Like he'll talk about stuff like, oh yeah, like you just go over the numbers. It's fine. Not all the people show up. That gives me like a palpitation. Like I'm literally like, no, 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 no. Like you can't do that. Because they could. They won't, but they could show up. Exactly. If they all possess a ticket then this could potentially blow up in our face. And who's going to be the smiley face that has to face them? It's going to end up being me because he's going to be busy. No kidding. <laughs> I'm going to be standing in the back saying, look at all these people. This is great. <laughs> this is fantastic. <laughs> yeah, so I would say there is like, there is some inborn tension in that specifically, which obviously we're seeing work out here, even in this conversation <laughs> that, uh, you know, Christine tends to be, or is more of a people person than me. And I'm much more of a systems growth you know, person. And so we come at the problems from slightly different angles, Yeah, uh, which, you know, I think it's, it's a happy tension rather than problems. So yes. it's worked out mostly. You it's make each other better. It's fun now because it, it probably is easier for us to be in different organizations. And so I do yeah. legitimately think we can, we bounce things off each other. And like the stuff that you bounced off me this week was kind of like quote unquote people person stuff yeah. you know like how should i deal with x or whatever and you know i'll ask him strategy stuff or system stuff often that's so. cool yeah. i like that i like that that's very good i love that example that's perfect so i'm just imagining christine out there <laughs> you know talking someone down like i'm sorry i will find you a seat and rich is out there like with streamers that's awesome. and, like, this is amazing look how many people showed Pack up in. <laughs> yeah that's so great <laughs> yeah, it's like yeah, cursing totally. you it's like a, not a very merry christmas <laughs> At the Birch's house. Yeah, yeah, totally. It's so fun. Tell us about your kids. They're like basically adults. Like you're almost like you're like on the doorstep of empty nesting. A hundred percent. And this is why we're slight like hoping because not every university had in-person school this year. Hunter's off to university. We're really hoping, not because we want him out, but we're really hoping that he's able to like live in residence and yes. do all that kind of stuff for his sake too. Right. So we, we think we're going to be like part-time empty nesters this fall. Um, part-time meaning, you know, they come home in the summer and they're oh, still oh. on the payroll, obviously. Yeah, yeah. So, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But for laundry. now we're just renting three homes. Like our bot, you know, we have yeah. three, three places. <laughs> That's functionally what it is. We've always dreamed of having a second home. Yeah, now we have three. <laughs> Wonderful. Now we have two dorms yes. in our house. We're so we're so thankful for all this property. Yes, I love exactly. that. Are you excited? Or are you like emotional about it? Um, I do think the first round well, I come September, I will be emotional. I do right. think thinking about it the first time is harder than the second. Like you get a little bit more used to it. It's so funny. So our kids are two school years apart. They're under two years um, difference in age. But I remember being so sad because I was like, it's not fair. Like Haley is the firstborn and she got two, almost two extra years with us all by herself. And I remember thinking at the time, however, when she goes off to school, he will have two extra years and it actually has been, been really fun. It's been really fun to have adult Hunter. I, uh, 
yeah, he was an easier, he's easier now than he was as a toddler. So that's, I actually uh, love that because we were just yesterday on a walk talking about that with our two girls and Scott struggles a lot with that. Like how with Jace, our older one, like she, I mean, you remember this, she was like a horrible sleeper. So she would like <laughs> sleep on us all the time, like whether it was at night or a nap or whatever. And then Emerson was a really great sleeper. So like all the time she would just like nap in her crib, sleep in her crib at night or whatever. And Scott always talks about though, like I have so much guilt about the fact that not only did we have Jace for two years as a baby alone as an only child, we like, I feel like we held her more, blah, blah, blah. And then it was like Emerson came and like she didn't have one-on-one -on -one time with us or whatever, but see, We'll get it's coming later. We'll get it's it. coming. It'll all work. Wait 18 years. Yeah, exactly. yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it's kind of nice to get it when they're like almost an adult because it's totally. like, you know, that will be cool. Yeah, What's it is fun. Favorite stage of parenting. Like, are you like baby people or are you like, we really like it better when our children are like basically adults that we can have conversations with? Well, I, yeah, I don't like them when they're really little, like even you other people's like kids. No, well, even other people's kids. no, he loves them. He doesn't like them. I'm like, you know, it's fine. Like I feel even when our kids or my own kids, I'm like, yeah, like you feel like you're going to break them when they first come out. Oh, yeah. They're like, and and particularly as a guy, like I don't mean to be like, like super normal, you know, what are gender stereotypes? Like there's not a lot you're doing there. Let's be honest. Like, <laughs> oh, you know, you are not really a part of that equation. And so I, so outside of that, I really have enjoyed literally legitimately every season I have liked better than the season before. And mm -hmm. so it's just got continually better. And that's even, you know, up till today, I, I love the season that we're in right now. It's such a, like even today, just at dinner time, like we were having all these, it's just fascinating conversation, funny conversation. And I'm like, wow, it's just such a cool stage to be in when they're kind of their own. Cause they don't, it, you know, it does, they talk about those different stages of parenting. You know, it does very much feel like we're in that coaching phase where it's like, mm -hmm. those are like independent people yeah. and our job is to kind of help and support them, but they're their own people. Like, you know, it does, it's not like parenting's over. Cause I don't think it's ever over. I'm still right. getting coached by my dad mm -hmm. and my mom. Um, but it's definitely in a different, you know, it's in a different phase for sure. Yeah. I think when our kids were little, like I really love babies, mm -hmm. but I think, and maybe this is the one in me, I didn't, I wasn't able to like you know, embrace that season as much as I, you know, theoretically think I would if I had another one or if I adopted a baby or something like that. You know what I mean? Like, I just, I don't, I think I was, you know, the perfectionist in me or whatever, just kind of was nudging it along and trying to get to the next stage and that yeah. sort of thing. However, I do remember asking somebody like, how do you know when you're ready to have another one? Mm -hmm. And, um, and at the time she said, Oh, don't think about how close they'll be now. Think about how close you want them to be someday. Yeah. And immediately it, 10 and 12 popped into my head, the ages 10 and 12. And then ironically, I remember the year that they were 10 and 12. I was like, this is fun. This is Aww. like awesome. Cause it's like, you know, they're, they're just getting independent and, but they still like are open hanging out with you. And there's yeah. lots of family outings and all that kind of stuff. And I don't know. It was just a really fun stage. And actually those, those years were when we were in Jersey too. So mm -hmm. that was a really fun stage, but it has been great. It's fun to, it's, I cannot believe we're where we are at now. Like Haley yeah. just finished her second year of university yeah. and it's crazy. Oh. It's, and they had both did have done gap years. So it's yes. like, we are even yes. further along um, than you would think at this stage. So that seems so bizarre. I remember, well, uh, Haley drove my truck when she yes. was learning how to We were drive. just talking about this. 
You were the first where, person that would let her get behind any wheel. <laughs> that's where she like perpetually stopped in my mind. She's still that yes. age. Yes, yeah, like learning to operate girl. a vehicle. Yeah. But now like they're both, like you said, rich grown adults. They're just like doing their own thing. And that seems so, so weird to me. Yeah, that really is so crazy. I mean, that night was so ridiculous. It was like really dark at like Scotch Plains High School or something. Like, it was teeming rain. Yes! So stormy. But it was like Scott had promised her. And I think we were like moving or they, they were probably leaving for camp the next day. Like, this is something. our last chance. Yeah. You gotta do it. <laughs> yeah, we went out in the dark. We're like, here, learn to drive a truck. And I was like <laughs> super pregnant with Jace. And yeah. We were like, yeah, it's fine. Like she's never driven. It's fine. Like, and we were just like driving around. She did great. <laughs> By the end, we were fishtailing in the <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Oh, Wait, so God. what are you guys gonna do with with what what is open nesting time. for you? Like, is that sitting back drinking tea and reading books, or is this going out and adventuring or what? Well, hopefully it involves some travel. Yeah, but well, hopefully we're not locked down. Oh my goodness. Um, Who yeah. knows? Who knows? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I don't. So we like we did have our kids pretty young. And so, uh, yeah, we and a part of that was like a bit of a conscious decision to be thinking, OK, like by the time they're launched, we're like we were always the youngest parents at like parent meet the teacher night and like yeah. all of that. Right. And and uh, and it's great on this side end because it's like we still have still got lots of energy. Christine yeah. still got lots of energy. We can do stuff together. And um, and then, yeah, we we'll know hopefully some, you know, travel and, you know, and and to continue to do stuff with the kids, you know, and hopefully have their yeah. friends back and all that. So. <laughs> That's we're trying to make our place a desirable place to visit. Yeah. So like last year at the beginning of the pandemic, we were like, I think it's time. Let's let's get ourselves a boat. So we got the we got the boat. So oh. that's what we're like, just try to keep them have, we want to be the place that they come home to of and, course. and have something to do at. And like, we don't want to like downsize our house or anything like that. Oh. Right. Cause we want to have space. We want them to feel comfortable when they come home that they can, you know, there's yes. space for, if they have kids someday, if there's space for them and all that. That is so funny because that sounds so much like, like my mom, like for a while, like after mm -hmm. we all moved out, we were like, why don't you guys get like a little townhouse? And my mom was like, no. Like, she was like, I still want to have space for you guys to come. And she was like, and for the kids, like, I want the kids to, like, sleep over and have, exactly. like, space yeah. at the house. Like, you know what I mean? Like, she was like, no, like, we're not, like, you know, hanging it up here. Like, she's yeah. like, I want to have room for everybody. So, uh, yeah, no, that's, I love that. What was your hardest stage of parenting? Did, mm. Oh, I would say it depends on the kid. Yeah, different. Uh, I would say... For the boy, and I don't know if it's because he's the boy or just who he is, but he, as a toddler, that was tricky. Yeah. Uh, and then I would say middle school for uh, the girl. Oh my goodness. I'm not, I'm just like so not excited for that. No. Yeah. It's, it's hard. Those are hard years, right? Like that's, uh, would you agree with those years? Yeah. I yeah. think so. And yeah, I think on both of those, right? Like they're the kind of boundless energy of, you know, a toddler and then, and then there's all that learning to be social, which is hard, right? Like that's, that's yeah. it literally is the same challenges at both stages, like yeah. learning to be social <laughs> as a toddler, You're right? And then learning to like, just bumbling through it as a middle schooler. It's the same it's tough. It's hard. Yeah, middle it's school tough. is that the really worst is so stage true. of life. I feel so yeah, bad for middle schoolers. It is impossible. Yeah. Now hard. see, we're on the flip side for, well, I am Caitlin is a young parent. I am not a young parent. So I don't have that problem. You guys are talking about like, I'm the opposite. I don't have that energy. So I'm trying to keep up with them. I'm like, can you slow down, please? They will keep you young. That's good. Yes. Yeah, That's good. Something like that. Did you guys have like legit like 
like going into middle school, high school, college, like dating rules that were like intense or were you just kind of like, let's just kind of like see like how this pans out? Yeah, we like vaguely talked about them not dating until they're 16 or or put it the other way around. They, it's somewhere along the line, they got the impression that was the rule and we kind of went with <laughs> it. Like, sure, yeah. yeah. That sounds good. That's actually kind of how it went down. Like it was That's like, I don't know, I'm not entirely sure how that happened, but, but that <laughs> like, was, you know, that? that was fine. And we talked about like, um, you know, that we wanted to, you know, have this, get to know these people as well, you know, and, and maybe have them over that kind of thing. Before they went out, Before we wanted, they to, went out, we wanted you know. to know them personally kind yeah, of thing. Yeah. So, um, we wanted to look them in the eye. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Put the so, fear we really haven't had that, that hasn't, there hasn't been like any, I would say like the kind of t- stereotypical, like super negative. I mean, when you move them in high school and you rip them away from yeah, their entire social network and right. they have to reestablish it all over again. That's a good tip. That might help. <laughs> That's a good tip. There we go. Make right an international now. move <laughs> as they're going into high school. Oh my gosh. That's perfect. I love yeah, it. I mean, I'm, yeah, we haven't, there hasn't been a ton of dating, to be honest. Like, um, well, also, we know a lot of their community because yeah. of camp. Mm-hmm. And that's and that's one of the major reasons besides family. That was when this opportunity for Rich to lead at camp came up mm-hmm. for us. It it secured our hope that our kids would be discipled in that kind of environment. Yeah. That's why we would drive back and back and forth and send them to camp. Everyone used to, when we were in Jersey, they'd be like, you know, there's camps in New Jersey, right? There are like, camps here. Yeah, but this is, you know, we wanted we had a dream of them you know, having the same experience we did and um, and getting kind of their leadership chops in that environment and that sort of thing. So the beauty of that is you get to know a lot of students Uh their age and, you know, you, you end up having, it just really normalizes relationships and conversations because you know, all these other kids that are dating or whatever at camp and, Uh and then, you know, the people that maybe they're interested in or whatever, and other adults in their lives know that, you know, and, it just makes it really, really, um, I was gonna say public. It's not public, but it wasn't, it, there was never any kind of like secret of dating secret. kind of thing. It was yeah, nice. That we know of anyway. Oh, that we know of. True. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, yeah. yeah, that's true. That's <laughs> really cool though, because you see these communities, you guys are really good at being, you know, you're in the same community that your kids are, whether mm-hmm. that's church or camp. And so having mm-hmm. all those relationships, it's not like you're trying to figure out who are these people, who's whatever. And I haven't really thought of it that way until you just said it, but trying to find those opportunities, obviously with our girls mm-hmm. over time, you know, where can we be in the same circles and it's still not weird. They can be with their friends, we can be with mm-hmm. ours, but mm-hmm. we're still in those same groups. But I think camp's one of those those major ways you get to do that. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah from a parent's point of view, the thing, and we've you know, live this out with our kids. But I, I've tried to say to parents, like, when you think about like your 10 year old, they're completely dependent on you. They're like, mm-hmm. you know, they, they, you have to drive them everywhere that you have to feed them. You got to make sure they get up and go to school and all that. By the time they're 20, mm-hmm. uh, 10, just 10 years later, they are, should be independent people who are like charting their course in the world. Mm-hmm. I, I do think that too many parents don't, think of their those years as that releasing time like they they it is more about like control and like we got to you know buckle down and all that but that's actually not what you want to have happen like you don't you actually don't want them to be dependent on you at 20 in the same way that they are dependent on you at 10 and and so for us camp has been a a good part of that because it's like it's a place for them to 
get some freedom. It's a place for them to, you know, expose. And, and I think then the other side of it too is, and you know this, you've been in ministry a long time, you, you know, students have deeper, it's just true. They have deeper relationships with their friends than with their parents. That, that is just true. Like that, we can all fight that, mm -hmm. but that happens. That's a normal part of growing up. That's like, it's actually your brain's hardwired to do that. And so the question is, can you get your kids around other people where you're like, those are good people. I would like my kids to be friends with those people. <laughs> um, yeah. you know, cause that's really all you can control. You know, they're going to, they're going to, they're going to pick friends and they're going to go deep. That's going to happen. And that's okay. And it's fine. Yeah. And I remember Christine talking about at camp, there's a lot of leadership, like development yeah. of um, like just different tasks, right, that you learn as well as like the investment into them. And so if they're with their friends doing these same mm -hmm. things, their friends are getting that mm -hmm. and growing, they're getting that and growing, but that's also the thing that they're kind of rallying around. So it's much more, you know, it's, it, yeah, it, it's driving them somewhere. But then too, Rich, I, I think that's huge of, you know, that gradual release, like from 10 mm. to 20, it's this gradual, yeah. okay, we're getting them there slowly, rather, I think sometimes in my mind, it's like, okay, can I just keep them alive and, you know, whatever yeah. until yes. 20 and then we'll release like, okay, yes. good luck. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think that's much better way to play it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That, yeah. That's amazing. I love and that. I would say Rich is, you have nudged me in that way because I think if I was parenting alone, mm -hmm. it would be a disaster. Like I would be controlling. I would, you know, want to micromanage and and all that. And so his wisdom and his personality just mm -hmm. has allowed us to just, you know, be more intentional in in letting things go. And, you know, I, I remember like in terms of those, you know, when people say like, oh, your your kids are so well behaved. You're like, what now? Like, not when they're with me. <laughs> yeah. But and you know, and and moms always try to tell you, and I legitimately think this is true now, looking back, um, at every stage of life, other moms and other wise people tell you they are most comfortable with you. You are their safe place. And so they let their guard down when they're with you. Yeah. And I can literally think of situations like that at every season. Like, I think it's true, even at the stage our kids are at now, yeah. um, you know, some of our interesting conversations over dinner, I'm like, wow, this is heated kind of thing, or this is bold. Right. And I don't know. I don't know. Anyways. And yeah. I'm like, wonder if she's like that everywhere or whatever, <laughs> but, but I know that this is her comfort, comfortable place for her to yeah. be able to tell like it is and to practice what it's like to be passionate about something. Yeah. And, um, you know, yeah, it's it literally at every stage of life. I can think of that. Just be the safe place. Be the safe. That's place. awesome. That's my hope is that we will be their safe place. Totally. They do feel like, okay, even if it's crazy, I can say it here, even mm -hmm. if it's a little right whatever this is my place where i'm gonna maybe do that and i know i'm sure you have to like intentionally set that dynamic right yeah for them to feel that that safety it doesn't just happen right yeah and i'm sure i, I know i have messed that up and those are often the times and you have to apologize to your kids mm -hmm. right when you don't you don't nail it every time i don't nail it every time but i yeah it's, you guys did something right. Yeah, obviously. Oh, well, they're I, remarkable I, people on their own. They're they are really absolutely. Awesome. I, I do think a part of it is um, like looking as the kids get older, looking for opportunities for them to stretch, take adventure, do stuff they've never done before. And there's, you know, we uh, both our kids did gap years. Christine mentioned mm -hmm. that. And they, man, that was so great. But for both our kids, it's been just yeah. incredible experience, like life changing, like worth, 
you know, all of it. I'm so glad that we did that. You know, with Haley, she was in uh, Guatemala mm -hmm. for a year and was down there. And it was a, it was a great experience, but it was like, uh, it was really challenging, like super challenging. Like she, yeah. uh, part of that, a lot of that wasn't real positive. And mm -hmm. we went down and visited kind of halfway through and I, like we left her there, like we flew down together and then we left her there. And I really struggled. I was like, we were just talking with her about this the other day. I don't think we've ever told this before, but I'm like, I'm not, I remember saying, I'm not sure this is the right decision to leave her here. Like, mm -hmm. this is like, it's on the knife's edge. Like, is this, is this the right call or should we just haul her home? Like, yeah. um, but I'm glad she stayed. And mm -hmm. that's because yeah. that's what she was reflecting. And on, she would she, say, she's yeah, glad she's, she stayed. She's glad she yeah. stayed. And, and, you know, and it's been the same, you know, similar dynamic with Hunter this year where he in his gap year has like really stretched and tried all kinds of new stuff. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you have that instinct to want to jump in and bail him out, but you can't do that. Right. Like, it's like, no, you, you're going to yeah. have to make some mistakes and that's fine. Like that's a part of life. That's a part of growing up. Yeah. That's amazing. That really is. I remember talking to you guys during that year that uh, Haley was in Guatemala. And I remember it was like after you had left her and like you knew she was okay. But I remember you sharing that a bit like, yeah, like it's not been all just like mm -hmm. butterflies and rainbows down there. Like she's having the best experience ever. It's been so great. <laughs> like there have been some like moments and it's like hard for us as parents to watch from afar. Yep. Right. You know, and then like know when you're supposed to intervene or not. Right. Yeah, it, it's hard. I remember reflecting specifically on that particular week because it was like our family vacation that year. Yeah. And I remember thinking this was like the best family vacation mm -hmm. layered up with the hardest week of parenting in our lives. Oh, it was so tough. Yeah. Um, but like we're, you know, two years removed from that now. And, yeah. you know, she is able to say, I'm glad I stayed and and that sort of thing. And you know, she's, yeah, she grew tons and it's so funny because, so our kids both have later birthdays. And so I never wanted my kids to go to university at the age that they right. typically would like right after graduation. And I remember thinking as I processed it, I'm like, but yet I'm sending her to Guatemala. <laughs> right? <laughs> like, I feel like university might've been like a little safer than maybe less stressful. I don't know. Yes. Possibly. That's so true. <laughs> But hey, it yeah. it grew her. It was effective. Yeah. But that's oh yeah, it's great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I think the gap year for us. Well, a lot of a lot of things that I feel like like I don't think they are great kids because we are great parents. I just I do think there are a few things that if we had more kids, we would do the same. Mm -hmm. And um, and basically, kind of when I think of all those things like gap years and or getting them involved in like um, community or um serving out, you know, we took them on trips when they turned 13, like basically all of those things, if there was a, if, if there was a theme to them, it was basically raising our kids to realize it's not all about you. Yeah. Like there's life is so much more about the people around you yeah. and what you can learn from them rather than about yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, we, we literally used to nickname that 12, 12 turning 13 year old trip yeah. that it's not all about you trip. Like welcome to your that. teen years. It's not all about you. Um, and so I, I think that thread and it started when they were little, like we used to be searching for places for them to be. It's hard yeah, to take your kids to serve somewhere together. like soup kitchens because yeah. there's so many age restrictions and unsafety stuff and all that. But we found one that said yes to us and they learned, they, they weren't allowed out. Like they had to like stay yeah. in a room 
<laughs> but they learned to peel potatoes there and yeah. they were allowed to like wash the, the mirrors and stuff like that, but they couldn't see clients obviously. And, um, you know, I think normalizing those types of experiences early and, and just reminding them that our cushy life is not normal. <laughs> like, mm, you know, yeah. there's so much we can learn from other people. But you say that so easily, which yeah. is cool, but that's like so countercultural yeah, because you look at what's that show like sweet 16 parties where they're spending <laughs> tens of thousands of yeah. dollars to tell the kid it's all about you. Yeah. Right? Right. And yeah. you guys are kind of like, we're going to do the opposite yeah. and help you realize it's not all about you. Yeah. Um, and again, finding the right places, right ways to do that. Yeah, Like we times. threw parties for our kids too, but sure. you know, that's part of why, why liquid was a great church for us like so many great opportunities the outreaches and all that we are always yeah. trying to take advantage of all that right like how do we yeah. how do we get them plugged in on all those things you know trying to hide them away from that stuff but like yeah let's let's try that and so yeah we took some risks in there like you know like the 13 trip she's talking about like we you know went and both, took both, both of them essentially on a missions trip with just so like christine went with haley and i went with hunter and uh, cool. You know, those were stretching experiences um, and not the kind of thing that's normal and that did cost a lot of money, um, yeah. but it was, it was, uh, uh, you know, for a, hopefully a formative experience. Hopefully, you know, you look, hopefully they'll look back on that and say like, wow, that was kind of a unique uh, piece of the puzzle for sure. Oh yeah, absolutely. That's awesome. Well, they're lovely children. I mean, they're not children, <laughs> they're adults, but they're lovely. In our mind, they're still children. So that's yes, good. Yes. You keep just frozen in time for us. So yes. it's fine. Hunter's even younger in my mind. Hunter's yeah. A kid. Yeah. You, like, you got yes. them frozen at like 13 and 15. Yeah. Like, they're yes. very cute. And yeah. At their, at their like most awkward stages, really. Uh, <laughs> and you loved them anyway. <laughs> they were amazing. <laughs> Rich, tell us a little bit about Unseminary. So, because we know we've heard a lot about camp and stuff like that, but tell us about Unseminary. Yes. So on seminary, it's, so it started just as a blog. Like I was writing about stuff. One of the things that, um, you know, church leaders will often say is like, they'll come up against something and they'll be like, well, they didn't teach me that in seminary. And so I was like, well, that's kind of fun to write about all those things. And um, so it started there and then eventually kind of grew into a podcast. And so we're 500 and some odd episodes in on that. And I've written some books and uh, courses and all that, but it's all really around this idea of how do we help churches, you know, reach more people. I think that's really the drive um, because there is this unique thing that the difference between lots of times, the difference between prevailing churches or churches that are making a difference and stagnant or stuck churches is it's not stuff they teach in seminary. It's a whole bunch of other stuff. And so um, that's what we've tried to do. So yeah, it's been, it's been fun. I, I love it. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's one of those interesting things where it's like something you love to do yeah. and it, other people seem to like it, um, which is pretty amazing if you can find those things in life. And so I, like, I would talk to church leaders all day long. Like, I love it. I love just yeah. hearing, I love getting into the nitty gritty details of it all and uh, diving deep. And then, you know, we'll put on a microphone and, and just like this, talk about it. And it's, uh, yeah, I just find that fascinating. It's really cool. We might have to do this on a different episode, but I mean, I would love to talk here so many because you're on episode 500 and I think we're on episode like five. Yeah, right. So, <laughs> but 500 episodes is unreal. So you started podcasting before podcasting was like oh, yeah. a thing. So interestingly, so when I started this, so 2013, we started and I thought podcasting was over by that point. I was like, Oh, you know, it, by that point I was like, you know, this is a late I, to the party. Yeah. I thought I was late to the party at that point. Wow. And so 
I, when people ask me when I, I said it to you, when I heard you were starting a podcast, I'm like, you absolutely should start a podcast. Like, I, I think it's a great medium. I think, yeah. and I think the future is bright. Like, I think we're on the front end of it. I don't, I, I still think that. And, um, and so, yeah, it's, uh, it's been amazing. I, you know, yeah, the system thing has been interesting. Cause I, um, I used to listen to this guy, um, who ran this network of podcasts called twit this week in tech tech leo laporte he's like an old school podcaster like he's been doing it like really since the 90s and so like real early early internet stuff and and i listened to him for years and one time they did they do this show which is you talk about geeky they have like their leadership team and they broadcast their leadership team meetings every week so they're like one hour, let's just listen to how the business is going. And they, it's broadcast, it's out there, it's public. And uh, I remember listening, and for a season, I listened to those because I'm like, that's, yeah. and it's literally just them like going over their numbers so and it's them talking to each other. They're not really trying to produce a podcast. They're just yeah. kind of talking about the business and now we're trying to work on this sales deal and that sales deal and all that. And what he, want, he one time said this thing that captured my attention. He was talking about the, they were talking about the value of the company. How much do they feel like the company is worth, was worth like should, because they were talking about potentially selling and, and, uh, and he said something, he said, you know, the value of this thing is in the process, not in the content. It's in the, how do we not, not what we produce, but the system behind how we produce it. That's where our value is. And that really stuck with me. I was like, Ooh, and that aligns with a lot of my own thinking. It's like, how do we, so it was, I've often said, I, I started a process for doing podcasts. I didn't start a podcast. I was like, I'm going to build this so that I can just crank them out and have a really great partner in a, a, a woman by the name of Beth who works mm-hmm. part-time for me, which she basically works a day a week. And she really does the heavy lifting. I often joke, I'm like, we would not be at 500 episodes if it was me. Like I, that would not right. have happened. Um, but she, she's like super helpful and, you know, does most of it like all of it i do the interview the part i've really tried to get it to what's the only part only do what only i can do Hmm. which is doing the interviews and talking to people and then really the rest of it she takes care of and so um but anyways that's a whole other conversation we could talk about at some point i mean that's amazing you have your downloads are what um you're at 1.5 million yeah, so 1.5 million. We do between f- five and 7,000 downloads, uh, which, I, which I think is amazing. So I have a good friend of mine, Kerry Newhoff, yeah. who he, he's like in the stratosphere, right? Like he, he, he does, the last time we talked about actual numbers, he was doing between 700 or uh, 75,000 and 100,000 downloads per episode. So like, wow. you know, like the scale of it is, is, is astronomical. Um, yeah. And so I think like, but I, but I, well, and I said this before we got on the air, like I take it as a giant privilege. Like, I'm like, I think about, wow, five to 7,000 people are listening to this thing. Like that's astonishing to me. Like that, that is, um, yeah. Would I love to grow it? Yes. I don't know. It's such a niche podcast. Like it is so you got to really be a church leadership wonk to want to (laughs) listen to it. Like, um, and so I don't know that it has you know, Carrie's podcast has great crossover potential and could be, you know, uh, I think it's, you know, I think he's got a long ways to go. I think it could grow from here. I, there's a little bit of like, yeah, like I might be able to get to 10,000, but I, I just, I mean, you know, I just don't know if there's that many people out there that want to listen to the kind of conversations we have every week. I don't know. I mean, like I'm not a church leader and it's like, I very much appreciate on seminary. You know what I mean? It's like, first of all, it's beautifully produced. I love like, it's just like, <laughs> sounds great, but it's like, the episodes just like pack a punch. You know what I mean? Like, I do feel like, like Scott always says, it's like, 
you it's just like an easy takeaway you know what i mean right. like it's right. just like you listen there's an obvious takeaway from the conversation you know what i mean right. it's not like feelings and what you know what i mean yeah and i think i mean how many churches are there in well in canada but i guess in america yeah. and absolutely i mean i know for us at liquid it's every every week not even every week almost every day there's a unseminary article that we're reading and going through and you know because it's not just the content but i feel like you're also kind of ahead of the curve so we're always kind of like okay where is this going mm -hmm. and hopefully mm -hmm. we can stay you know ahead of the curve as well so no incredibly helpful and i think again oh, I yeah, a long that. way to go on your end too don't sell yourself short because mm -hmm. it's it's huge yeah it's I, it's it is an honor and a privilege it does it does feel like oh wow like that you know, I kind of started this before. It's like something I love. It's something that other people like. And then ultimately we're able to generate revenue off of it. Right. So frankly, from a business point of view, it's like, oh, it's got like, yeah. there's something there. Right. Which is, um, I I've said to other folks that want to get into a podcast, I've said, listen, I did not know. And this is true. I did not know what the podcast was until after the first hundred episodes. It literally took me a hundred episodes. So it might take a while, you know, to figure out like, what is this thing? Right. Yeah. And you know, for me, that was two years of podcasting before yeah. I got to like, oh, okay, I have a clearer idea of what I'm trying to do, the kind of guests we're trying to have on. And, yeah. um, it takes a while to work itself out. And that, again, this friend of mine, Carrie and I, we were literally just talking about this. I don't know, last week, the week before one of the weird things about being in this kind of content entrepreneur space is yeah. we'll make something. And we think it's just amazing. I'm like, this is <laughs> a killer blog post yeah, yeah. or like this, but this episode is going to people are the episodes don't really ever go viral, but you're like, this is going to yeah, be yeah. just going to hit everything. And then it's like a giant wet fart. It doesn't go anywhere. <laughs> right. And then there's some stuff that you just like, you just don't even think about it. You just kind of roll it out there and it like explodes. And, mm -hmm. um, and that happens all the time to the point where you second guess yourself, where you're like, yeah, when, when I think it's going to be good, there's a good chance. It's not going to be any, yeah, like, yeah. it's not like, going really to like connect with people, but, but you've got to keep on top of it. Right. You, yeah. and so the lesson there is, you know, it's, the, it's that whole thing. Like what's the difference between an, an amateur and a professional, you know, an amateur waits for, for inspiration. A professional just does the work, right? Like mm. you know, amateurs are waiting for some great, you know, inspiration. In my case, it's like some great idea. They're looking for the like penultimate, the most important blog post ever. And I'm like, no, I got to every Tuesday publish a blog post. And like yeah. there's, some of them are going to be good and a bunch of them are not going to be good. So um yeah i know it's interesting it is it's fascinating it's it's um yeah i could talk about it all day long that's an interesting I could too so we'll, we'll keep that one going <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, i'm interested christine what's been your experience with the podcast that's a lot of years of <laughs> well and you've been on a lot and yeah um yeah like i think it's it's kind of fun it's been like a hobby of riches yeah. and it's kind of um you know it's it's kind of like his friday that's what how it's always typically been like you know, he does his, his normal work and then, but Fridays he tries to, well, when he was in church ministry Fridays, he would try to get yeah. his, his stuff done. A lot of early mornings, like he used to wake up at like four in the morning for his oh, writing and, yeah. um, and that sort of thing. And so, but it's always fired him up. Like, yeah. like it's life-giving and, um, you know, I, I can get behind that. And I wouldn't say it's ever been a distraction or whatever. Now it's funny cause he, so it's funny at rate, he says he tries to be, he's been trying to be more personable, like, and more, let people more into who he is. Right. So he's tried to get me to co-host and, mm -hmm. you know, these sorts of things. <laughs> it's funny. 
but I, I do enjoy, I love working with him. Like the stuff, yeah. actually, we just started, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with alpha, but we um, have yeah. just started hosting the alpha marriage course together. Oh, fun! It's been really fun. We did it in the fall and then we're doing it again this season. And uh, yeah, we're kind of, we, we're becoming co-hosts, I would say in other I realms of the world, <laughs> which is fun. It's fun. Yeah. It's so anyways, I'm just super proud of him. Like I, there, when he was able to travel and help church leaders and go places, and even when he can do that online now or whatever, uh, pretty well, any interaction that he has or any trip that he takes, he always texts or calls and says, thank you so much for letting me do this. I love helping church leaders. Oh, I love and that. So I'm, I'm just thrilled that I can help him make it happen. Like, yeah. and it's, 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 you know, at the stage of life that we're at, it's not a big deal to make it happen anymore. Right. Like it's, you know, there's not heavy lifting on the home front anymore, but um, yeah, I'm just really proud of him. Oh, that's nice. That yeah. Nice. It's, it's interesting. Cause it is, it is like, I feel like all the time I'm saying, man, it's just such a great interview. Like so fascinating to hear and like to hear, you know, churches, it's the same thing you, you have, you know, Caitlin with your guests where you get, you're just like fascinated to learn about people and like, yeah learn what's going on in their world. And, you know, we're obviously a different format. We're trying to like compress mm -hmm. it into a half an hour and we're trying to get to like, yeah, we're, we're hoping that the joke I always make with our guests is like, I'm hoping someone will like pull the car over and have to write down notes. Cause it's like, yeah. Oh, that's a great idea or whatever. Um, but it's, it, it comes out of a like passion for just listening and learning from people and, mm -hmm. and trying to solve problems. And so, yeah, I don't, you know, it is a, it is like writing. It is a fairly solitary experience. Like it's a, mm -hmm. it, there's a disconnect between like, I don't think about the five, 7,000 people that are listening in. Right. It's like, no, it's me and another person. And it's like, mm -hmm. I do some prep and I read about their church and I, you know, that's all very solitary work. Um, but then the hope is that it has, you know, an impact out there in, in the world. So that's you know, interesting, but it's been, it has, there's been, um, <clears throat> you know, there's, the sacrifice of doing that and having like a real job, those yeah. two things, you know, you, we've made a lot of choices over the years that have, you know, and Christine, frankly, has borne a lot of the, the brunt of that, like being able to kind of move our lives around so that I yeah. can get all that stuff to happen. It doesn't just miraculously happen. You have to open up time and you have to create space um, and, and push back against some, uh, you know, conventions in life. And, you know, I've, I've worked with people who don't, love the fact that I do that. And, mm. you know, and there's, and there have been those scenarios where it's like, what if they told you not to do that anymore? And I would be like, yeah, like I would keep doing that. And I would, I would leave this thing like that. Right. You know, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't stop on seminary. And so, right. um, which is a bit odd because it's not my primary thing, right? It's not where I spend most of my time. So yeah. I don't know, that's an interesting, which I do feel like that's a future forward. Like that feels very future, how people are going to work to me. It feels like, yeah you know, increasingly we're going to have a series of tasks or a series of projects that we're working on. The idea of the organization is breaking down, <clears throat> you know, yeah. we're going to have these kind of individual, you know, we might have three or four different projects that we're working on. And some of them might be five-year projects. Some of them might be one year, some might be six months and you kind of keep the, you know, keep the pot moving around. I, I think that's, we seem to see more of that happening, even just in, even post pandemic here. I think that's accelerated some of those dynamics. That's yeah. the stuff right there. That's why I listen to you. That's yeah. That's cool. <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah. I mean, you guys like Christine, you being a church leader, rich, you've been a church leader for a bajillion years. And now you interview a lot of church leaders. Like, where do you guys see like the church going? Like, what do you think the future of the church is? Cause obviously COVID has like changed everything. 
No, I'm going to let you take that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's a tough question. You know, where is the future, you know, of the church? I'm like a big booster of the local church. Like I'm, I'm the person that it, like is just consummately, um, positive about the future. Like I'm not a doomsdayer. I, I don't think anybody goes into ministry. Anyone who's in ministry today picked going into ministry when it was a really bad idea, like in culture, like there used to be a time when this was like, people would go into ministry and that was like seen as a respectable position. It was seen <laughs> as like, those people have like a lot of intelligence. Those are like social leaders. None of those things are true. Have, were not true when I got into ministry. Yeah. And they have not been true for anyone who is in ministry. And so you have to be a little bit like disconnect from reality mm -hmm. to want to like be a part of the church. But that's because I really do believe like I, I at my core just think that the teaching of Jesus makes a huge difference in people's lives. And when the local church, the gathered local church, when it's done well is I just believe it. It's an unstoppable force for good in the world. Like I think when it's done well, it can make all kinds of good things happen. And so I, uh, so I, so I think I'm a big booster on the future. You know, I think this past year and a bit has been tough on a lot of churches, right? Like yeah. there's a lot of churches who are not in the like, wow, things look amazing. They're struggling. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, I think there's, there's been this weird obsession with so many churches about getting back to, you know, meeting has, that's been odd to see, you know, we're for folks that are listening in that might not know we're a part of the kind of broader Protestant movement. And one of the things that 500 years ago, when people started saying like, maybe there's some stuff with our, our Roman Catholic friends that aren't great. One of the things that they really got worked up about the movement that we're a part of was that, uh, you know, our, our Catholic and brothers and sisters believed that there were like magical buildings and special places where, you know, where God showed up. Uh -huh. And one of the things that we believe is that that's just not actually true, that, yeah. that God can work anywhere and does work anywhere. But it's been very strange for me as a leader. It's been weird to see people that are so obsessed to like, let's get everybody back in the building. I don't, I think that's been detrimental to us. I think we've lost yeah. some, we continue to lose credibility over that. I think the future is going to be this hybrid. I think, mm -hmm. uh, you know, what, like churches like ours that are continue to be just online, that's not the future. Mm -hmm. um, although I do think, and we've seen this even in our own extended family, uh, you know, we have extended family members who don't normally attend church who now normally attend our church online yes. because of this last year. And that's amazing, right? Like as yeah. a, just as a person outside of being a church leader, like for my family, that's been very good news. Like, yes. and I, and I think that it kind of is the, um, the full orb. It's kind of this, this, um, you know, we've been talking about church online for a long time. We started doing church online at, at, liquid in 2009, which seems like eons ago. Mm -hmm. um, but I think this past year has shown us, oh no, there's like real potential here mm -hmm. uh, to do this hybrid world. But I'm not in the camp where it's like, no one's ever going to go to an in-person service again. I just don't think that's true. I don't, I think there's so much built into us about, um, you know, community and, and, you know, meeting together and all that, that just sociologically, I, I think, you know, we'll get back to that. That'll, that'll become a part of our, our world again. Will it, I don't know, you know, there may not be that time and we we're joking about it earlier. There may not be that time where we just jam people into buildings anymore. That right. might take us a while to get back to that. Right. Yeah. Like I, I do think we're going to go through a season where 
smaller, you know, more, more campuses, more locations, more services, smaller individual buildings, individual yeah. meeting spaces and all that. I think, I think that's going to be for a while. I think, mm-hmm. you know, I, I was talking to a church leader recently from a very large church in California, and they were kind of bemoaning the fact that, oh, their, their main room sits like, I don't know, 1500 people or something like that. And they're like, oh, we can only have 200 people in there. And they're getting that. And I said, well, you realize that that that's probably the largest crowd that those 200 people have been in for an entire year. And they're like, Oh yeah, that's a good point. Um, And and we're going to be pushing that end of that, right. It's going to take a while for people to get used to that. And, and, and we may never get back to that. Like the idea of like in a room like that, you know, it'll sit 1500, but we all know at Easter, we're, we're saying that only 1500 people showed up, but it was probably more like 18, 1900 people. You just pack them in, make the rows longer, all that stuff. I think it's going to be a while before we're doing that again. And, and frankly, I think that's okay. Like, I don't, you know, I don't think that's a a problem. So. Yeah. Yeah. What's uh, yeah. And with that, it might even be similar answers. I mean, we've obviously paid a huge price in the church from the pandemic. Christine, you might feel this more directly. What, in your opinion, like, what's the biggest bonus? Like, what, mm. what's the church gaining from the pandemic? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I think, I think the people like in our individual churches that are still with us mm-hmm. are really with us. Yeah. And mm. I think once we can actually gather with those people, we'll, we will be strong little bodies, you know? Um, so I think I do think that that's there. I think um, people's need for community and the ways that they um, thought that they could experience that and the ways that they prefer to experience like all those preferences have come out. Mm-hmm. It's been so interesting because I like I oversee groups and of course we've you know our all of our in person groups were invited to go online. Some elected to, some were like, no, we'll wait, we'll ride it out. Then they decided to it's get just two weeks to flatten the curve. Yes. After the actually, we'll weeks. wait two weeks. <laughs> yeah. Fine. We don't Fine. Need to do that. Um, so some of them, you know, decided after their break to get back together and some of them didn't make it. Mm-hmm. Um, but then we actually launched online groups in the middle of all this. And um, we didn't know what, if they could stand the test of time. So we made them shorter and all this kind of stuff, gave them s- similar resources to how we would, you know, a a typical group that would meet in person. But do you know that those groups have those groups and the groups that just were established right before the pandemic, the ones that are more used to have more history online than they ever did in person, if any have served are the healthiest right now. Yeah. And so there, there is, um, I, I, I can't argue personally that there's the same community because I've, I've, I haven't been in both, um, to be able to experience that, but, um, I do think our preferences are coming to the forefront, but there are possibilities that are also, um, you know, being unearthed and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm onboarding, a a group leader right now that lives five hours away from here. Wow. And, you know, I was, I led a short-term group that had people in three different time zones in it earlier this year. That's cool. And so there's, there's neat opportunities that way. They're fewer than I'd like. Um, and, and it's, it's hard to get there and, you know, it'll just be as messy as (laughs) normal group group stuff. But, um, yeah, I think, but I do think that people are just, they're learning how to, to be in community again, and it's going to take people some time Mm -hmm. to, to know what they're comfortable with and, 
Yeah. You know, even at these outreaches, we had to have like opportunities for people to serve in a small group and then opportunities to serve in the group size that people were most comfortable in. And we had people annoyed with us because we were asking them to wear masks and people left because of it or whatever. Like it's, it's an interesting study on, on preferences in community, I think. And deferring to others ultimately is the big answer. Wow. I mean, we appreciate your wisdom. You guys are amazing. I need to end on a really important question. (laughs) I can't wait. (laughs) How do you like your Peloton? (laughs) Rich, I see. I see you posting all the time. Yes, I love it. I uh, so, yeah, I feel a little embarrassed because it feels like a that's a very expensive purchase. At least for me, it felt like a very expensive purchase. It's like a, it's like a weird, it's probably the, it might be the closest thing we have to a luxury good in our, uh, in our lives. And so I haven't, I, although I guess we got a boat, but it's not really like a big fancy boat. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's an old one. It's an old one, but um, so I, so I went a while without talking about it. Cause I was like, I was kind of embarrassed. I was like, Oh, I don't. And I knew like some other people that had Pelotons. And so it was like, kind of like the whisper behind the scenes, but like, I didn't really want to talk about it online, but, uh, but I've loved it. You it's, can edit this. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. I do the editing. This is staying in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. But it's been great. It's been, uh, it's been, so I've liked, I had high expectations, um, but it, and it came out of a conversation in the fall. Christine was saying, what did we learn about, this lockdowns in the spring, yeah. um, what would we do different? And I'm, I'm not like a, this is not a video podcast, which is good, but I'm not like a big gym guy, but I really do like going to the gym Pr- yeah. prior to this. I was like, a, I don't know, four or five days a week, go to the gym person and love it. Um, it, you would not be able to tell, but I do. And, <laughs> but I missed, I missed the gym. I missed all of that. And so I said, you know, if this is going to happen again, I would love to get uh, a Peloton. So it took, um, <laughs> So I ordered it in October. It came in February. Yeah, it came in February. It was like a hundred and some odd days. They had all kinds of, like I literally bought it at the worst time. Like it was in there. Now they're back to just a couple week delivery, but it was like the worst time possible to buy it. It was when everybody Uh, else was asking, what would we do different? Everyone had the same talk that you had. (laughs) So, but it's great. My goal, when I first got it, I felt like, because because it was uh, a lot of money, I was like, I want to make sure that I do it a lot. So I was like, I'm going to try to do 50 rides in 60 days, which for folks that know Peloton, that's a lot. Like that's a, that's a robust amount, which I didn't really understand. Like when I got it, I was like, oh, that just sounds great. It was a little bit of the communicator preacher in me, like 50 and 60. That sounds great. That kind of rolls off the tongue. It's snappy. Um, Well, I ended up doing like 85 and 60. Like I ended up way exceeding. Yeah. So it's like, uh, (laughs) that's amazing. Yeah. So it's been great. It's uh, I highly recommend it. And it's, um, yeah, it's fun. It, uh, it's, I don't know. It's great. So yeah, you're, so you're not obviously enjoying it. it. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Yeah. It's fun. It's like, like a today. Well, I was just texting with Christine today. Like I had an hour ride today, which is a long time. That's a long That's time long. to go and, uh, burned like, I forget what it was. 800, almost 900 calories, 800 and some odd calories. Whoa. And, uh, and was like, I, I, bested my previous one it's great for enneagram three so i'm an enneagram three and it is all based on like it's like there's a lot of ways to kind of pin yourself against yourself or against other people Love that. but but actually i had a, a friend uh, uh this is a couple weekends ago 
uh, got three or four friends. So it was myself. I had a friend in Colorado, a friend in Los Angeles, a friend in, oh, another friend here in Canada. And the four of us were on this competitive ride together. And the friend in Los Angeles had never ridden a live ride before like that, where you're actually with other people. And they did 30% better than their best ride ever. Like it, because yeah, because it's just like, Hey, we're all in this together, which is a part of their theory. Right. It's like, it's not because we're all in this together. It's I'm going to whip your butt. That's yeah, what they're exactly. <laughs> yeah, going to help each other. That's the same. That's the same. It's the same so thing. it's great. I love but it. In Colorado had less oxygen. So that wasn't a fair fight. That's just- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's fun. I can't wait till you're podcasting from your Peloton. When yes! you do that. Well, they have a video option, which to me seems crazy. So like theoretically, if you're with friends, you can like hit this thing and like a video will come up. But I'm like, like, I no like I'm a sweaty mess when it yeah, happens. Like, like, it's oh, not okay. like, you know, I'm like, I know there's no way I want to. There's do never that, a time so. I want to be seen less. Than yeah, when exactly. I, yes, Christine, exactly. So, it? no, I haven't tried it yet, to be honest. Like, so his shoes, because you clip in, right? His oh. shoes are like ginormous. And, and I've never done a spin class Which in my I life either. I've never done a spin class before. We so, bought it. so I don't know, in my, but there's three people using his shoes right now. So it's like, it's getting yeah. well used without yes. me getting in the mix. And I do have a, um, like a, what do you call it? A profile. And I do other workouts on their app. I've heard they have so, amazing. Yeah. So they've got outdoor ones. So I do their runs and stuff like that. So that's been good, but I haven't, haven't tried yet. Cause I'm trying, I, I could maybe stuff a bunch of socks in there or something. I just don't want to buy shoes and then me not like it, but I haven't bitten the bullet to try it to see if I want to buy the shoes. I don't know. I'm doing other stuff. Yeah. You like to run. You love running outside and that's like your thing. I would way rather work out outside if I can. Yeah. That's my preference. So probably my best bet is next winter. Yeah, we did in our bedroom. It, uh, I feel a little bit bad, not a lot bad, just a little bit bad because where it is in our bedroom is like, I don't know if you have this in your space. It's like, that's like Christine's part of the room. It's like, that's where Where I get ready ready and all that stuff. I just kind of, we kind of, and she was really gracious about it. She's like, I think this is the best place in the room to do it, which I, I do feel a little bit guilty about, but not guilty enough to move it. So uh, yeah, it's fun, but it's great. It's a good, uh, (laughs) it's a fun toy. It's a fun. uh, Yeah. I super enjoy it. It's, it's, it's um, yeah, it's fascinating. I love it. I love it. Do you guys watch shows together? Are you watching any good shows? Okay. So I, I, we actually used to have a show, Like yes. we used to watch survivor. Yes. We, the first thing we ever binged watched was lost. Oh, and yes. that was our thing. And then it was like years where we didn't yes. have a show together. And this show is five seasons in. And I finally convinced him to watch with me at first. He was like, no, 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 it's not going to be any good. It's going to be all location, no plot, no character development, blah, blah. <laughs> Now he watches This Is Us with me and he cries every episode. Oh, great. It's a great show. I always say to Christine, my running joke with her is like, this is such a well-written show. I don't know why it took you so long to get used to this show. It's so great. <laughs> but you know what it was? Because Christine used to watch. So there's a lot of amazing things about my wife. One of the things that's amazing about her is she definitely has a completionist personality. So it's like, you got to check all the boxes. You can't just do... So like, for instance, ER, which was, I think, 12 seasons long. No, it was like 18. Oh, it's like 105 seasons yeah. long. Yeah. And so she watched every single episode. And I'm like, these are- Well, like- the same with Grey's Anatomy. I'm like all in from day one to the bitter end. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we started, so she was watching Parenthood. Loved it. It's my favorite show in the whole world. Thank you. 
you. No, I've watched I, the whole series five times. Scott hates it. I yeah. love that show. It, I started watching it right when I moved away. And so I was like, just craving sibling connection. Me and too. They I watched friends. it when I lived in Colorado. I feel like I am a Braverman. I am <laughs> them. They are my people. I am yes. obsessed. I love them. And Rich, you don't like it? No. So when she kind of hinted to this, my thing with parenthood is so that when I was in grade four, they told me there's three things in good stories. There are characters, there are settings, and there are plots. And those three things have to work together. You have to have those three ingredients. And parenthood to me was definitely characters, definitely settings, no plot. It was like that were, nothing ever happens. These people... It, life happens they sit around and they yell at each other yes. that's it it's funny screaming. though it's, it's funny. just like so, caitlin's but family but you gotta you exactly. gotta got admit there is <laughs> you gotta admit there's something about this is us when i so I, I we watched it a little bit at the beginning together and i was like that felt parenthood ish i'm like there's some similar yeah. stuff here but then i yeah i love it it's great i love getting back into that so but we usually we sometimes will find yeah, know, like seasonally we'll, go we'll season, find a show like you know miss mazel or oh like, yeah marvelous miss mazel did you ever watch that oh i people have been telling me about that would he like it because i desperately want to show together so it's great potty mouth so it's cannot, total potty mouth don't watch oh, it with yeah, the kids around. Um, don't fine. watch with the kids around but it's uh i, I think since we've been back we have because it takes place in new york city so there have been a few of those things where we watch stuff and it's like oh that reminds us of jersey like oh there's you remember those people um but it's uh <laughs> it was it's fun or so i don't know on and off we'll, we'll there'll be a show like that it'll come along uh so. well yeah we're, we're kind of the same like we'll go through like a thing like maybe we'll even like enjoy a documentary together that's like a four-part thing or whatever but we've like not had a good show together for a while. You guys are talking right? about stuff that I can't relate to, like TV shows and exercise are not my <laughs> But I try because watching a TV show together is her love language, legitimately. Like that's where she feels like connected. And so I try. So we, yeah, every now and again, we'll watch something and we'll like, she'll, she'll help me out. So we'll watch something on like surviving in the wilderness. We watched alone. <laughs> that was like for him, but I got into it. Yeah. And so we made it's it. Fine. Yeah. Good. What do you do? It's marriage. You guys, this is <laughs> so fun. And I, we could keep going for another two hours, but I've already spent <laughs> like two hours of nice. your life that and is... I apologize, but no, I, I feel bad. I love catching up with you guys. So fun. Oh, it's so, so, so fun. I really, this was amazing. Thank you so much. And we'll, well have you back. Oh, well, thank you for having thank us. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Love it. We love the podcast. Love you guys and love what you're doing here. Love you guys. Thank you so much. Hey, thanks for joining us today. Don't forget to like and subscribe right now before you go. And hey, if you want to toss us a five-star rating, I would love you forever. Check us out next week for our next episode. You can catch So What Else anywhere you get your podcasts or at CaitlinElliott.com. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at so.what.else. Artwork by Caroline Chicola and editing and everything else by Scott Elliott. Thanks so much. We'll see you next week.